Hey guys, in this podcast, I chatted with SP Illustrated. SP Illustrated is a SP YouTuber and artist who does detailed drawings of SP articles and tales. If you enjoyed the podcast, please follow us or review us if you're on Apple Podcasts. Also, please spread the word. The more you support me means more time I can put into this podcast. Anyways, enjoy guys. How's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Cool. It's good to be here. So, uh, one question, I guess, that everyone always wants to know when we have a guest on the podcast: What's your favorite SCP? Well, uh, it's been my favorite now for like quite a few years, and it would be uh, the SCP Twelve, the the music sheet. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, it's just it just sums up everything that an SCP needs to be. It's creepy. You don't want to go near it. Keep everyone away from it. And like for people who aren't as familiar, do you have like a real like quick recap of like what that one's about? Yeah, yeah. So it's um, uh, it's like a song sheet, and if you see it, it begins putting out a sound. Uh, it compels you to go near it, and then it makes you mutilate yourself, and then you use your own blood to try and fill out some more of the music, and you can't, and eventually you'll just die from your injuries. Yeah. That was actually it's just horrible. Uh, <laughs> I think a while back, me and Jake had that on the list of like one of the ones we wanted to make a video out of. Um, but never got around to it. Uh, who knows? Maybe one day. It would um, be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. No, especially, I mean, we're, because of COVID, we've moved to like completely uh, 3D animated route now. We're, we're kind of moving away from live action, at least for now. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your SCP-3000 video because you said that one's going to be your free day. Yeah, which you'll be in. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is that? No, yeah, so that, that we've been shipping away at that since uh, like September now. Um, I mean, so Nick uh, is my other guy. He's helping out. Um, don't worry, I'll keep it short. This is, uh, this is Illustrator's podcast, not mine. Um, but he's been helping out a lot with that. So like... But it's my first animated short film, so it's definitely like a lot of trial and error. And we're figuring things out as we go, but it, it's a learning process. It's fun, and I'm, I'm glad that you hopped on. Um, That's cool. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Well, actually, so speaking of voice acting, uh, for people who don't know, you were in Overlord. What was it like working on that? It was uh, it was both awesome and daunting. In what way? Like um, a lot of pressure. Well, it, was, it was awesome because getting to be part of one of the Evan royalty films, you know, I saw a dollhouse and I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And then I saw in um, a Discord chat, Evan was looking for people to audition for some of the soldiers lines. So I just sent a request in saying, hey, if you want, I can, I'd, I'd like to audition for one. And he was like, yeah, right, and then send me some audio. So I did. I didn't hear back from him for a few weeks. And then he was just like, here's the lines. I was like, oh, well, I, I got it. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, cool. <laughs> Um, and then at the same time, it was, it then hit me. I was like, oh, I'm in an Evan royalty film. Okay, um, um, okay, voice acting. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> well, I mean, that's basically what you do almost uh, for every video, essentially. It Should is. It just, it just, or not, it just, it it just felt like different. a lot more pressure. Yeah, understandably. Well, actually, so this is a question for you. Did you record everything without seeing any footage or did like they have an edit for you guys already? 
No, they had they had nothing. They had the scripts, which just showed you, just told you the brief idea of the plot, what was going to happen, mm -hmm. and then they just said like, emphasize this line. This is your character. There was no footage at all. When we first started, when I first started doing my lines, um, they were they hadn't even filmed it because it was when COVID started yeah. kicking off, so yeah. they had to postpone it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I guess that is that your official like first like real voice acting role. I would if you're say not it is. Channel, but yeah. Only other things that I've done before, they've just been like little things for other people's videos. That's probably been the first full-on voice acting gig. I mean, it, I wouldn't. It wasn't a professional one. I wasn't paid for it. I just volunteered. Yeah. But um, it was. I'd, yeah, I'd say that was probably the closest thing I've got to proper professional voice acting so far. Yeah. So, like, for people who don't know, you're in our doorman video, but that's like such a small little line. Like, this in Overlord's like an actual role. Like, you're actually playing a character. It's a full-blown mm. thing. It was awesome as well just to get told that you're going to be playing the the commander of the MTF unit. I was like, wow, yeah. so I'm not, even, I'm not even one of the subordinates, the privates. I'm like the full-on commander, the big guy. And he sent me through, you don't see this in the film, but he sent me through an entire character sheet of this, uh, the commander Lambert's, his past, what he's been through, his, um, his resume, if you like, as a soldier. Mm -hmm. And I was looking through it and I was like, that's a lot to try and convey into a character, but... I hope I did okay. I think you did great, man. Seriously, I was shocked that you had like the biggest role because usually a lot of times it's like the feature. It's like, oh, they're just like in the background or something. Yeah, um, they're just there for the feature, not actually to be part of one of the characters. Yeah, but uh, like in our video. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, for people who haven't, definitely check it out. Um, well, we have a whole thing on getting into the spoilers and nitty gritty with the Evan podcast, so you're safe here. We'll try not to spoil anything <laughs> here. Um, but so one of the other questions I always like to ask people who come on for the first time, how did you get into SCP? How'd you find out about it? So it all kicked off in 2012. I just finished school, went into college and I met a dude there called George and he introduced me to a YouTuber called Markiplier. Don't know if yeah. you've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Back then, he was he was so small. He was only on a million subs, not on the 20 oh, odd really? that he's on now. Yeah, huh. I got him to right at the start. And um, he was doing playthroughs of SCP Containment Breach. Like, when when that when it first came out, I mean, there was nothing to that game. There was no textures on the faces. They looked like uh, tusk, uh, not tusk, test dummy mannequins that you get in cars. Wow. And um, from there, it just like I started looking at a few little SCP articles, a few little skips, nothing really in depth. Mm -hmm. um, went through college, went through uni, got out, and then I started watching um, Eastside, Eastside Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw one of his videos, it was SCP-2935, Oh Death. It's the cave one. You go through mm -hmm. it, you go out onto the other side, and everything on that side then dies. And yeah, thank you for that one. I saw yeah. that and I was just like, that's really cool. I'm gonna do some little drawings for that. It wasn't like, I didn't just go into it thinking, I'm gonna start an SCP channel. It was just, this looks kind of funky, let's do some drawings for it. Wow. And yeah. then from then on, but, it just like became, I mean, you're doing this full time now, right? Yep, yeah. this is my full time job now. It's been that for getting on, in February, it will be two years. This has been my full time. Wow, that's crazy. Just, yeah. I, you didn't even set out to like have this thing be this big. That's cool. No, it was, it was, just a, a happy accident. I made one video. I had one 
person subscribe, I had one like and one comment from a user called Asimov, and he just said, do oh, more. Yeah. I was like, Asimov was all right. for us too. Yeah. <laughs> he just said, do more, and I was like, all right. I feel like Asimov Loki is like an SCP himself. Like, I haven't heard from him since. I've only heard from him early on in our in our channel uh, history. Yeah, um, same for me. He commented on, I think it was probably like the first 10, 15 videos, and then he just vanished. Yeah. I Maybe think that, that, that I think that that's what he does though. He he comes to all these uh these new aspiring SCP channels, gives you the motivation, and then at the end he just like puts on his hat and his jacket and goes off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, I, there's there's some weird anomalous uh, energy going on with that guy, that dude. Yeah, definitely. I love that. That, that can be uh, one of the joke SCPs I write one day. I keep saying I want to write an SCP and then it never happens. But uh, let's see. Um, Okay, so you mentioned you were draw you started with drawing and stuff like that. Do you come from like an art school background, or was it just always a hobby? Oh, um, it's. I mean, I started drawing when I was two. Wow. But um, yeah, um, it was always it was art and computers that I liked as I was growing mm -hmm. up. So um, I got when I went through school, it was art there. When I went to college, art again, and then after that, university art. But it was never drawing it was mainly computer focus like uh, graphics mm. typography uh, a little a teeny weeny bit of animation but it was never ever drawing they always tried to tr um push me away from that i mean i loved drawing but every time i did it they were like no 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 it, it, drawing is old you need to get contemporary do the new stuff <laughs> and uh well the that you know if only they could see that now <laughs> like so did they mean new stuff as in like digital drawing and like tablet drawing pardon so by new stuff, did they mean like you drawing on a tablet or things like that, or oh, more so like? No, 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 no. They meant like um, ditch that, get into uh, photography, um, oh. uh, layouts. Think, don't think about actually drawing stuff. Like take a picture of something and manipulate it into something new. Like really get into the nitty gritty of um, graphic designing and advertising and all that. I was like, mm. yes, yeah, it's all well and good, but it doesn't. I know it didn't really feel like something I loved. I mean, I loved doing. Um, uh, video art, like messing around with um, film and lighting and that kind of thing. And before it became an SCP channel, there was actually a load of videos on there from when I was back at university, full of all the video art stuff that I did. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that was really fun to do, but there wasn't much, wasn't much cool for it. But um, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd say I definitely come from an artistic background. Although no one in my family is, I'm probably the first. Same. No, same here. Like my grandma used to do painting as a hobby, but that was it. No one like professionally got into the arts here in my family. Um, what kind of video art? Was it like experimental kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, tell you what, I'm going to throw some things at you. Have, do you remember the, have you ever watched American Horror Story? Bits, bits and pieces. Uh, okay. Like only um, the first have, season. Yep. Have you seen the movie Seven with Morgan Freeman? Yeah, of course. Yeah. What's you in know the box? that kind of, yeah, yeah. You know that kind of intro sequence? Oof, I haven't seen it forever. Oh, well, there's these bits like where it's all the types all weird. There's like um, bits of film that are all compressed together. It's all like really scratched, scratchy. Nothing really fits together. The American mm. Horror Stories have the same thing in their intros. That kind of oh, disjointed, okay. saying, yeah. abstract kind of video art. That's what I really liked doing. So kind of like a but, mix between like physical and digital touch up on top of that, or was it all like physically physical effects that you did? It was. Mostly physical with a little bit of digital in there as well. There's a tiny slight hint of it in actually the 
main intro to my channel. Like when you click on my videos, there's that bit at the start where it goes all glitchy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And through that, you can see some things I did from university. So there's like these weird painted uh, shapes oh, in the cool. background, which are like laces that were dipped in paint and then put through a high contrast filter. There's some of my x-rays from when I was in hospital. And then there's this um, weird square blocky kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. See, that See, it, it actually carries over. It's not just like a thing you did and dropped. Mm. Uh, that actually reminded me, so a while back, uh, a couple years ago, um, my friend's boyfriend, he's doing like MRI researching. So he's doing like brain researching. So mm. I, I got to have a free MRI of my brain. And Seriously? I have, I have the pictures, but they're on my phone. But I'm like, you know what? That just made me think. Why not? <laughs> Why not throw it, into, throw it into something one day if you're using you, like you... old x-ray photos of yourself? Honestly, any kind of MRI, CT scan, X-ray, they are a treasure trove when it comes to horror stuff. When I, um, because I used the X-rays for a piece of stuff while I was at school, but it, trying to get hold of those, I had to contact the hospital that I went to. I had to pay to get them out as well. They sent oh, them really? on a, on a yeah. they sent them on a disc. I mean, who does that anymore? But yeah, they did that. So I had to. Also, it took a third-party program to get them, but I digress. Anyway, <laughs> getting all those X-rays is 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 great. <laughs> That's cool. Is it just like all random body parts or just like your arm or something? Oh, they were random. Um, as a kid, I was extremely accident prone. <laughs> um, I've, I'm, what have I got? I mean, I, th I think I've broke my arm twice. I've split my head oh twice. My I've got metal going up my right leg. Um, I've fell, you know, so many things have been broken. So I've got pretty much x-rays now of every part of my body. It's great. You can see my lung in one of them. <laughs> wow. I literally, I, I, I only have one injury that I had in my childhood and it's pathetic. Um, what was your one then? <laughs> I was sleeping one night and my mom tucked in the sheets extra tight, you know, nice and comfy. Mm -hmm. And so this is, I'm in second grade, so I'm probably like seven years old when, or six or seven when this happened. And so we're uh, hearing your education system. Because over here we just I know, do yeah. like, yeah. Well, like yeah college is university in the US a lot of times. But college is like high school, I think, for you guys. Um, mm. But anyway, so uh, by that point, uh, I wake up all is well, so I go to sleep, I wake up, all is well, and then I move my foot and I feel a shock of pain come up. And I'm freaking out, like what is happening? What What is going on? Well, turns out, uh, overnight, my foot got cut in the blanket, and so for people watching the video, my foot stayed in the direction that I was, I sleep on my slide, side, so I was pointing to the left, my foot was pointing to the left, I rolled over overnight to my right, and my foot never rolled over. <laughs> So I somehow sprained my ankle in my sleep, and that's the only time I got like a childhood in or injury period. I've never, I've never broken never a bone. Or, yeah, so that's my I've that's my pathetic injury. I've never heard of anyone spraining their ankle in their sleep. It's incredible. I get, who knows? Maybe I'm a first. Yeah. And I was on top of a bunk bed, so I remember hopping down my bunk bed, one-legged, hopping to the doctor's office out of the car. Uh, good times. Um, but uh, so one thing that actually reminded me of when your um, uni professor, whoever, was telling you that you should move to photography, not hand drawing. So um, I kind of like certain types of manga and things like that. And there's one manga artist who's known for this, where he does um, Oyasumi Good Pun Pun or Good Night Pun Pun. And he has these really, really detailed environments. And people are like, how are you doing this? How are you turning it out so fast? So literally what he does is he takes um, photography of like local area in Tokyo and then converts it in Photoshop to make it look like a manga style drawing and then draws mm. over it. 
um, which I always felt was really crazy. But then on top of that, he ends up drawing details into the environment on top of that. So you can tell it's definitely not like a laziness thing for him. Um, but that's, yeah, I, um, there you go, there. go ahead. Um, that kind of approach, when I was um, first started moving to digital, I started looking at um, uh, digital art books and you can see how they've actually taken pictures from real life and then painted over it. So sometimes you're there thinking like, wow, that grass looks so realistic. And then you look a bit closer and you're like, oh yeah, it is grass. It's, it's real grass, it's a photograph that they've just painted over. But it does look awesome. And it gets the job done. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I've been learning 3D uh, modeling and stuff. And one thing that I always get amazed by is like really quality textures and, and like, um, it's like the skin essentially on the model for people who don't know what yeah. texture is. And what's kind of hilarious, so I, I've been learning a lot from Ian Huber and what he does is a lot of times he just takes photos of things and then crops out the photo and just pastes it onto the model. Like that's it. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this thing that I thought was super complicated. I mean, it doesn't always work, but it's amazing how much he personally gets away with because he does a lot of like really intricate, really heavy detailed like cyberpunk stuff, which you think would be like crazy hard to do. But he, I mean, he's a genius, but he's kind of figured out a way to make it way easier than um, you would in, uh, eventually, you would originally think it would be. Um, but I'm surprised that like people were saying drawing's dead. Like I, I feel like there's literally no validity to that at all. Yeah. Although, um... I do a, a similar thing to him is I sometimes take textures from real life to add to some of my drawings just to give them a bit more feel. How do you do that? Like through Photoshop? Yeah, yeah. So just um, uh, find a good texture that I like. Some usually it's to do with um, adding a little bit more texture to like rock surfaces or to do with fabrics, so they mm. look a bit. Okay. It gives them a bit more texture. So then you'll just get the layer, pop it over the top, play around with the levels a little bit, and it just it 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 just gives it a bit more. Zaz. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you're, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you you do digital drawing now, right? Because I know you started off with physical, like, charcoal drawings, right? Or are you still yes. doing charcoal? No, no, no. So I started off with just a pencil on paper. I didn't even have a scanner. I had to take a picture of the drawing with my phone. <laughs> wow. And then I had, to, I didn't, I couldn't even transfer it to my computer because my computer, it was such a bad computer. So I had to email it to myself, re-download it onto the computer, and because I was taking a picture of it of my phone, it was so bright, because the, 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 the actual shading got completely lost in all the yeah. uploading, downloading, and photographing, so then I had to whack the contrast right. It really didn't look uh, as good as it could have done, but yeah, it all started, pencil on paper was how it started, and then um, I think it was, it was either, not May Gone, the one before, that was when, um, I said, I can't keep doing pencil and paper, I need to push this. So that's when I got the uh, the tablet. Was that tradition pretty easy? Or I, I've, I've drawn oh, on the no, tablet that... a few times, but no? No, it, it, was, it was quite difficult at first. It was, it just, it, there's something about drawing with a pencil on paper, it just, it feels really nice. So then when you go from that to, I mean, you're seeing it on the camera now, but a, a plastic pen and a yeah. screen, it's 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 quite a change, but eventually I got used to it, and now I I wouldn't go back now. It's like way better, way more efficient. It's so much better. If you do a mistake, you can just control Z. You can't do that with pencil <laughs> paper. That's fair, yeah. My uh, so one of my friends, she's actually a really talented. She does oil paintings, but also does digital drawing. Um, but she so she I think probably draws about full time, and mm. for her, she's been drawing since a young age. 
and she's been plagued with having like wrist problems because of that. Like, is there a specific retinue or um, habits you have that help you prevent getting like wrist injuries and things like that? Um, I'm trying to, th uh, I did have, I don't have, I haven't actually had that many wrist injuries. Um, I do get quite tired quite often. Yeah. Um, these drawings, they take hours to do. So mm -hmm. I, I suppose the, the good thing to do is to have um, good ergonomics from where you're working. So for mm -hmm. me, I've got um, an adjustable desk. So if my arm starts hurting, I can just lower it down. I've got a comfy chair. Um, and just know your limits, really. I mean, for example, I know that I could do two or three drawings in a day. If I do any more, my shoulder's gonna hurt, my eyes are gonna hurt, and I'm gonna get frustrated, and it's just gonna show in the drawings. So it's really just about knowing when to stop. Oh, okay. Well, it's good to Eventually, hear that you haven't had. You'll, you'll, you'll get the rhythm. Yeah, no, I'm glad you haven't gotten like tendonitis or anything like that. Um, <laughs> well, not yet. I've, <laughs> yeah, I've only been I've only been doing this full time now for nearly two years. Maybe in you know another two years, you know my arm will drop off. <laughs> I just switched to left-handed. Just do some stretches. You'll be fine. Now, uh, yeah. Now the real move is you got to get make bank and then hire someone else to draw it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but, I've um, I've actually started um, uh, Mr. A, uh, a, user of mine called Mr. Torchy, who's also, he illustrated the SCP-5252 video for me very recently. Oh. And he's currently now illustrating the entire Aurora Boris cycle. Oh, wow. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. I know. He said he wanted a big project and he, we would just took back and forth and he was like, how about this one? I was like, you think you can do all that? That's like a book. He was like, yeah, I want to do it. I was like, fine. But um, yeah, I've, I've, I've sponsored that. So I suppose you could say he's on the payroll. Cool. Is he like, so I actually haven't seen that one, but is he trying to emulate your style or is he just kind of doing his own thing? Oh no, I would, even if he, if he said he wanted to do my style, I would discourage it. I would say, no, do what you want to do. Don't, don't, you know, don't feel like you need to blend in, do your own thing, stand out. And his stuff mm. is very different. His is, um, it's comic. Like if you think of like a comic book kind of style, it's like that, but it's got a oh, lot I know, more I think detail. I've seen this. It's, it's very rich. Yeah. No, I have seen this actually, yeah. No, I saw the uh, thumbnail for it. Um, mm. I, say, I was like, wow, I thought you really like changed it up one day or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's his. I'm really jealous of, uh, he can draw characters so well. Mm. I'm not that good at drawing people and faces. And what, you know, I'm very jealous of his skill there. Uh, so is there a reason that you mainly still do black and white compared to doing color based drawing? Uh, I've been doing it in color for about a year now. Oh, but I f well, it's your shading. Sorry, I mean, um, I feel dumb. I literally watched your videos yesterday. <laughs> Cut, no, I, no, I, I'm leaving I'm, it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I switched to color in. Um, I think it was March or April of this year. Oh, okay, yeah. SCP six sixty seven. I think that was it. Fairy Kudzu. That was the first one I did in color. Yeah, and even the one I'm in, there's like the yeah the red nine through nines. I'm pretty sure. Um, oh yeah, that one. No, that one. That was still uh, black, black and, and white. white with a tiny bit of red, red just for the the blood effect. But yeah, back then it was just black and white. Now it's color. So was that just like a, a over time you kind of shifted that way, or did you is it like a time issue or like money or like or just like you getting more comfortable shading with colors? What it was is I got. Um, I really wanted to improve the digital drawing because it was it was it was looking nice, but there was it was starting to get a bit 
samey. Yeah. So I took, I actually found a course online. Uh, it was called the Concept Art Accelerator Pack, something like that. And they, this dude, he went into depth of how to do proper concept art. And a lot of it wasn't quite applicable to me because he was like, you need to experiment with your layout and all that. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. for me, with the way the videos are set up, it's all pretty samey. But he then went into color theory and all this kind of stuff. And I looked at it and I was just like, hmm, what if I could do it? Just give it a mm-hmm. go, switch to color. And so I just thought, heck, we'll just give it a go. So in that video, I just I threw the black and white out and just went full color and it looked awesome. And so I just, uh, I stuck with it and it's, yeah, I really like it now. It's good to have some yeah. vibrancy. I do think it looks good too. And yes, people, I do watch videos of my guests before the podcast. <laughs> I know we're gonna million comments of that now. Yeah. Don't worry. Although I, I will, um, I have had a few comments from people saying that they do prefer the black and white because it, it looks oh, really? nit- nitty gritty, you know, because it's like the foundation. It's not this beautiful, vibrant world. It's it's dark, you know. The whole we we um, we live in the dark, so you can live in the light. That kind of feel to it, which you know I completely agree with. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's it's artwork, so got to make have it look you, pretty. Uh... Have you experimented with like maybe doing like different types of saturations or different like color tones and things like that? Or I'm assuming it's an ongoing process. Have you experimented? Yeah, it's, it's it's just ongoing. You know, I'll pick up more as I go along. But um, at the moment, no, I haven't tried with different saturations or anything like that. It's just what colors should this be? Plot that on. There we go. Yeah. Um. Well, I was gonna say, let me gather my thoughts again. With color drawing. Oh, like have you ever tried thought about doing different mediums like other than digital for the for the videos? Like obviously you start with doing pencil and things like that. But have you ever considered like painting or who knows? I did um back in the early days I did consider like doing loads of different videos and loads of different mediums. So I was thinking like um charcoal, we'll do paint, mm-hmm. uh, we'll do something digital, we'll do like um just a line drawing, but unfortunately I never quite got around to it and now it's got to the point where it's it's more a time thing. I don't really have yeah. the time to spare to do the different mediums because it's really, I have to get another video out as, as quickly as I can really because the longer that a video doesn't go up on the channel, the more YouTube forgets and yeah. then I, everything gets left behind. So it's really a battle with myself and the clock at this point. So I don't really, sadly, I don't have the time to experiment with new mediums. But then we've got Mr. Torchy coming in. He's bringing some new artwork. He's bringing a newer technique. Uh, did have Sumin Chion a while back as well. He was doing some comic um, kind of stuff as well. So as far as experimentation goes, that's kind of being outsourced at the moment. Good, yeah. Because I feel like YouTuber burnout's a very big thing. It's good to give yourself some breathing room, some time to mm. relax. Um, so I've heard you talk about this in the past, but um, I know you're always trying to push kind of your ability and like what you're able to do. Um, what is like, do you, do you set out like a goal? Like oh, I'm gonna work on this specific type of drawing or this like drawing faces, for example, um, since you mentioned that earlier, or do you kind of just learn as you go instead of doing a more general learning? <laughs> it kind of, um... It kind of comes in phases. For the most part, I just learn it as I go along. But then sometimes I might just have this moment where I'm just like, ooh, let's try and do better faces. And then mm-hmm. I'll probably work at it for like a couple of hours and then just be like, eh, I'm just going to go back to the regular stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mainly it's just you just learn, pick it up as you go along. To be fair, 
to myself, if I actually did sit down and do all of this, I could probably get pretty good at it in a few days. I just, I don't have the energy. I just, <laughs> just do the normal stuff and get the video up. Make, make the viewers happy. Yeah. It'll come in time. I mean, that's always a battle between like, do I invest time now learning that could be time that I'm putting into the YouTube channel? Like, it's always a juggle. Like, I have the same thing where it's like, I could be spending more time learning motion design and um, Blender in general, or I should just try to cram through and actually work on SP3000 and animating. Um, it all just comes down to time, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, which is just, there's always that saying, like, when you're young, uh, time is cheap. Um, and I guess as a kid, you're like, yeah, whatever. But like, I feel like a cliche as it is, as I'm getting older, and especially as I'm like trying to run my own stuff, yeah, time really is like the real thing that is holding you back. Um, yeah, more it so just than goes money. by so quick. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to bring up was for like art in general, do you, I know a lot of times when you draw, you use references and things like that. Do you now mainly just draw off of memory or do you have like a whole folder of like photo references and things like that? Oh, um, when it comes to doing, um, like for example, when I, hang on a second, let me just go down to my drawer of wonders. So you can see these on the camera right now, but I'll describe them to you. So uh, I've got these kind of, Kun drawing figures that I found on Amazon. They're like uh, humans to help you draw figures, and they've got like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. podiums and stands to go on. So configure those, and that's how I draw uh, uh, human people because to get my anatomy right. But when it comes to landscapes and actual items and stuff, I usually draw from reference, unless it's something that you wouldn't be able to find a reference for. In which case, then it's all trial and error, mainly working with shapes. Oh, so like for example plenty of SCPs that you draw that are more like creatures and stuff, you just kind of figure it out? Yeah, exactly. So one's like, um, uh, what was one? Uh, 407-001-610-682. You've kind of got like a brief idea of what it should look like, but you don't yeah. have anything concrete. So you kind of just have to go with your imagination at that point. Like, I mean, for example, my um, 682 videos, I must have had, I don't know, five or six different versions of 682 now. I can never just stick with one I like. He, It always just keeps changing into something new. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you that's good. You can't just go with what you want. Because, I mean, that is kind of what 682 is about, though. He's always evolving and mutating mm. and changing in appearance. Um, I mean, even for uh, Cedric or Zorindo, some people know him, who does a lot of our modeling for creatures here, he's probably gone through like five different versions that are drastically different of 682. Um, which I think I, that's a good thing though. Yeah, I, I love it. Like, I, I think it's always good that he doesn't get stuck in a box and he's always like doing completely. Like, so like he takes a lot of his references from nature. So he'll like combine different animals and different like jaws maybe um, instead of just doing the crocodile. Um, yeah, which yeah. This is the most common one. Um, yeah. Which I, I think that's I always what, find what's great as well about SCP creatures. It's just, there's nothing, there's never really a concrete what it should look like. There's so much imagination involved. Like when it, for example, um, 939. Yeah. Um, Unity have got their version. Uh, mm -hmm. HST, they're working on their own version. You've got Containment Breach that have got their own version. There's never one set kind of thing, which I love, because then it just gives mm -hmm. you the uh, the reason to just do anything that you want, really. Yeah, I mean, like, so we're actually, Cedric's actually modeling a 939 for our next video right now. Um, 
And so I kind of was like, let's try to like stay away from like the most common types. There is a specific model that someone made out of like clay and toothpicks. So I was like, let's try to like go from this inspiration, which was not as popular, but I was like, fuck it. Like, I love it. Let's just do it. When, when it comes to popular, don't let that uh, get in your way. Like when I um, did that, 173 model that got a, a big mixed reception lots yeah, of people hated yeah. it lots of people liked it but it's just you, if you don't experiment with new ideas everything's just going to become the same it's going to become great it's going to become boring it's good to push the boundaries well i feel like that's the most heated one out of everything because people that's like <laughs> how most people get into scps through 173. yeah so many people are like oh my god what have you done to the nut <laughs> I literally have like on my shelf behind me a little peanut version of him. Um, oh, that's cute. But I, I'm I'm happy that a lot of I feel like especially over the past few years people have been more like courageous and brave about changing up the design. Um, especially since it literally for people who don't know, um, it's actually an art piece and the it's actually a very positive meaning behind the art piece. It's like basically that artist, um, I think he's a Japanese artist. A lot of his yeah, artwork yeah. has to do with like peace and um, humanity coming together and like like completely opposite <laughs> themes and what SCP and what a snap necking monster um, is about. Yeah. So, One, seven, three is hardly about peace on earth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's good in the, in the long run, I think that we're kind of trying to transition away um, from, I actually don't know, did they change the picture on the main, uh, that actual SCP page? Oh, um, no, I don't think they'll ever do that. Because I mean, the original Peanut is just iconic with SCP now. I don't think they'll ever change that. But that doesn't mean you can't have a look at new ideas. I mean, there's yeah. been so many 173 different iterations and so many different artists, but the Peanut will remain the Peanut. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he literally is, you know, like people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he is the first um like scp period he was yeah he yeah. was the one that he bred it but no 173 is he's the thumbnail scp if you want to do an scp video you stick him in the thumbnail yeah <laughs> i mean i think samarin did, uh, did a really interesting thing about like people there's always been this argument of, like what came first the weeping angels from doctor who or peanut and uh yeah he he ended up doing the math and he was like no weeping uh the weeping angel came first so I, yeah, I, I think I saw that video as well. He actually looked back to the um, the notes of when everything came out and when the that was all planned. Yeah. So does that mean does that mean now that Peanuts the copycat? So and I I, I think SCP is actually just one giant Doctor Who fanfic now. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except we've got better monsters. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I've personally never been a huge fan of Doctor Who. Um, uh, I I was up until uh, wow. Uh, Peter Capaldi. Okay, yeah, so that's pretty recent. I, I, I thought he was a great doctor. It's just that yeah. the, the writing just fell apart halfway through. And I was just like, okay, I'm kind of bored now. It's a shame because yeah. I, I freaking loved him. He was a great guy, great dude. It was very big when I was in I think we're about the same age. I'm 24. But uh, yeah. it, it was very big when I was in high school. Like, a lot of my friends were really into it. I just couldn't get into it. I've always been kind of weird with sci-fi, I guess, where, like, if it's a little cheesy or hokey, like even with Star Trek, I had a, hard, a really hard time getting into it. And Jake's always can like nagging me to get it. Cause I do like a lot of the themes and like what it's about. Um, I just am very bad with that like aged TV feeling, you know, like almost mm -hmm. like not sitcom, but that old kind of like sci-fi or BBC kind of feeling. I'm like, eh, I'd rather Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into um, Star Trek either. Yeah. 
It's like a slower. Star Wars, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what I got into. I guess I was always into the more flashy stuff growing up. Um, mm. And then I've kind of leaned more towards like sci-fi horror stuff um, in the past four or five years, I'd say. Yeah, like, you know, which Lovecraft is... and Junji Ito, yeah. things like that. And which is why you are here today doing SCP stuff. Yeah. I mean, so... Like that's so I actually got into SCP right around the first time I saw Junji Ito. Do you know Junji Ito? You've probably seen some uh, of his stuff. I do not. So he's the one that Amagari fought, the one with the the hole shaped, uh, the holes in the in the ground that are shaped like people, and it turns out that like, spoiler, uh, if people don't want to get spoiled, but each a hole is specifically built perfectly for a specific person, and the main character ends up going into it and like gets stretched out. And to like this giant worm, basically, it's, it's like very weird uh, stuff. Yeah, Junji Ito is very graphic, um, and it's all drawn. It's all manga, so it's very visual. Um, and he's a huge. Um, he's very like he's one of the best like body horror kind of things. Like people usually think of like Cronenberg and Thing, which are also awesome. But I feel like Junji Ito takes it to like the next level. Um, but I actually got around around the same time I, I started reading that, which must have been like 2012. Um, is when I got into SCP. So a lot of times, I and I remember for the longest time around that time, people always thought Junji Ito was SCP stuff. Um, so funny enough, I feel like my interest, whenever I became more interested in Junji Ito's work, um, which, you know, for people watching, Tomei, that's on the wall, that's one of his works, I have Uzumaki, the more my interest in SCP has grown. So maybe that's like some weird memory tether I have to the two uh, mm. uh, universes. I I can understand why people would think that, you know, someone going into a hole and being stretched into a worm sounds very much like SCP. Yeah, it really does. I mean, there's so many of his stuff, like Uzumaki, for example, is basically, I haven't read it yet, so just a disclaimer, but from what I know about it, it's basically, this has to do with like spirals and the whole thing is like this town starts becoming like obsessed with spirals and things start descending into chaos and like people and objects and things start spiraling. Huh. Pun not intended, spiraling out of control. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, like, there's a lot of body, body horror, horror elements, too, of, like, people's faces and, and, like, bodies twisting into spirals and things like that. Um, that sounds awesome and It's horrific. great. You should check them out. Um, if you can handle, like, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you do. You've done some pretty gory stuff yourself. Considering some of the shit that I've drawn, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you could probably handle him. He's very, very detailed, though. Um, but, like, Tommy. a trick. Yeah, honestly. But like Tomei is really great too. That one's about this girl who um, like horrible things happen to her and she just like, basically keeps coming back. Um, she can't die. And uh, her whole it basically has a whole thing to do with like um, relationships with men. And like, she's kind of like a temptress, but she also is more of a temptress for like evil men in some stories. It, it varies so much with the ones, each story. It's hard to, with his stories especially, it's very hard to like be like, this is the moral of the story or like, this is what the ending means. He leaves it very open-ended, um, which, by the way, was a huge inspiration for Overlord, um, for people who don't know. Like, Evan's a huge John Gito fan, too. Um, you have to send me names of all these people after this so I can go check them out, too. Yeah, no, I will, I will. Um, I'm a, I, I was a huge uh, anime nerd growing up in high school. Um, so that's where a lot of my sci-fi comes from, is more from the Japanese side of things. And then I feel like only through college did I start kind of crossing over into the more like American and English, like British uh, stuff. Yeah, I, we, I never um, experienced like um, manga and all that growing up. There was a few people I was friends with who liked it, but there was never ever a, a, a big uh, 
a, a talk. There was nothing about it when I was at school. There wasn't anybody talking about manga. There wasn't people showing it. Huh. It wasn't until I went to college where I saw one person with a manga book that I then understood what it was. But even after college and I went to university, there was still no one talking about it. It's very much been a, a background thing for me. I've never really heard or experienced it, but I know of it. There was one that I, there was a t, not a TV, I don't know if it was a TV show or a web show, uh, Death Note. Yeah, um, I have that right behind pro- me, yeah. That's probably the only one that I've actually got any knowledge of. And the, the thing in that, the, the monster thing, was mm-hmm. horrible. Ryuk. That was yeah. That was scary, but it was awesome. Yeah, there's a. That's probably like the the big end. Like that was basically one of the first mangas I ever read. That's a really good like intro one. Um, mm. It is kind of weird to see how much more popular it is now. Like I feel like especially when I was in middle school or grammar school for English viewers, uh, <laughs> I was. Uh, it was very like still kind of like not mainstream. Like the like you were still kind of weird <laughs> if you watched anime or manga. It was like uh. uh. But uh, I remember we had like, um, might have been Foxbox or people know Toonami, things like that. That kind of made it a bit more like, oh, cool, there's this thing. And um, and I feel like that's kind of what made it a lot more popular in the States once I was in, uh, in high school. Mm. Um, and I feel like now it's like almost commonplace, especially because of video games and things like that. Um, yeah, but it's it will, everywhere now. But it's overwhelming now is the thing. Because like I feel like back in the day, you only saw the like the classics because it, the few that you did see was you only see the best of the best. Nowadays I see everything. And like I don't even watch much anime anymore because I find that it's so you need to like dig so much to find the actual like gems. Um, yeah. and like I don't have the time to really watch show after show. I'm very like picky nowadays with what I watch in the sense of like if it's really half assed and really badly written, I'm just like I'm not even gonna follow through on it but it's not even just it's also not just that but it's also i've noticed as well like um there's a lot of manga in the art world like everyone seems to draw in the manga style mm, which there's yeah. nothing inherently wrong with it but it's just it's really oversaturated now it is 100 percent. yeah i mean because like for example one of my friends in high school that's how she got into drawing was through manga so a lot of mm. times I'm assuming, but a lot of a lot of people I've met who draw in that style, it's because like the reason why they got into drawing was because of manga, um, which you know ends up being a lot of people. And I feel like back in the day, a lot of like comic artists, that's how they got into it was through comic book artists. But I feel like comic books were never nearly as popular as manga's gotten nowadays. Oh no, definitely not. Manga would definitely win top down when it comes to comic-y kind of art stuff for certain. They had a much bigger um, target audience for one. Yeah, I mean it's. Well, I guess it's not necessarily. I feel, I feel like I was gonna say manga is like super global now, but I, I guess you know, you know, you did see Captain America and Superman like all around the world too. But um, one thing I really like, because I I don't really like, I don't really care for the super like cliche, like very plain manga style. Is um, I love a lot of like some of the '80s manga, like Akira is a good example. Um, that's like one of the most famous cyberpunk animes, but it's like super gritty, super detailed. The environments are crazy, um, and then I also mentioned uh, Goodnight Pun Pun, but like he he has this really like it still has that anime manga look to it, but it's very very different. It's a lot grittier. It's a lot more detailed. Like it almost feels cluttered, how how much there's going on in each frame. Um, oh, it's actually made me think of something. So I know you don't normally do um, background drawings, um, and correct me if you do now, but. Um, is that something you'd consider in the future as like hiring a background artist? You mean like to go in the um, 
yeah, like in the background of the main sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, some some of the drawings recently, they've started to get some more background stuff, but for the most part, they don't, just because most of the details in the picture that's at the front, which is usually mm-hmm. of a character. But um, a lot, some more of the stuff now, like the the upcoming SCP-5000 video, or for the, the people watching this, you'll have already seen it, um, there's quite a lot of background stuff in that, so there's the plants, there's a few sunsets, mm. um, various... It, I only usually put a background in if it's needed to establish the setting of where it's going down. Okay, yeah. So if it's like really important, that's when you'll mm. put in the time. I mean, I, I also just want to point out, it's very impressive that for the most part, you've basically been doing this just yourself because I don't think people understand that like for comic drawing and manga drawing, it's a team. It's not one dude drawing everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like three or four or five people, depends on like the, the production. Um, so that's where I'm, I'm like, I'm still like shocked you have not had like wrist, I mean, you know, fingers crossed, let's hope this doesn't happen, but I'm shocked that you, even in two years, you haven't had injuries considering that, like how much content you've put out. It's not like you're releasing videos once in a blue moon. Um, no, and um, those drawings, they easily take between, I mean, the small drawings, even they'll take about three or four hours. The big ones, I did one the other day that I start. I got up, I started it at about half past eight it took me until half past six that evening to do the whole drawing. Well, like, so speaking to people who don't know anything about drawing, what would you say is like the most time consuming aspect of the whole drawing process for you? The, uh, probably the shading, getting the, um, getting the, the edges right, trying to get a nice, blend from from the edge to the middle because you've got to think about where certain things would curve round so you're going to need shadows you're going to need a, a darker section a lighter section from where the light hits and it's taking all these little things into account to make the picture they they because you think of one thing but then you, you forget about another you've kind of got to think of it all at once and that's where it starts to get a bit overbearing but it's definitely just all the shading trying to get all the edges the right colors the right tones putting in uh, do, do you know what? Creases in clothing are a bitch. Oh, they, yeah. They take so long to do. And if you don't get them right, they look stupid. I mean, I look back now at the creases on um, uh, one of the staff on the IKEA uh, 001 video, and I'm just looking at the creases on it. I'm just like, what the heck was I thinking? I should not have put that out. I should have redone that drawing. But at the time, I was probably like, no, fuck that. <laughs> not redrawing that again. So... So I used to do a little drawing in high school and I ended up never following through with it just because it wasn't like a huge passion of mine. But are noses also a huge pain in the ass for you? Because I remember those being like nightmares for me. Noses, if I had the choice, I'd make sure every human doesn't have a nose. (laughs) They are the hardest, they are the hardest thing to draw. I still can't do it. Yeah, I I mean, I've taken, I've done YouTube video tutorials. I've got books on how to do it. I still, for the life of me, cannot draw a bloody nose. But, I mean, uh, trying to draw even a woman's nose is so much more different than a man's nose, and I can't yeah. even get that right. They're just so hard to draw. They, they say like it's it's all the shading, it's not the line work, mm-hmm. and it's just like that just makes it even harder because now I don't even have an edge to work from. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why. It's just horrible. I find that like shading was always the most difficult thing for me for drawing. Like the the hard lines and the outlines, that was always the easiest part. Like the proportion and stuff like that. Um, cause I, it's so, I guess there's a plan again, gray area, huh? Where <laughs> I'm killing myself today. Uh, that pun, 
<laughs> I swear, this is not intentional. Give the man uh, a cookie. <laughs> but there's just like, there's a very, it's really hard to tell where the highlights come in and where the um, shadows come in a lot of the times, especially on objects like a nose where it's this weird, it's like multiple balls essentially mm. um, morph together. It's not like I mean, a normal the, the, sphere. The easiest way I find is just, if, you, if you're doing a drawing, put a cross somewhere on it and that's mm. your light source, and then you just work from there. Mm. So if you've got an X in the top right, all your highlights come down the right-hand side of the body, or the right-hand side of any objects, or in noses or lips, things that are protruding, and then on the left side, you're gonna have some very harsh shadows. That's basically how I do it. Mm. That's smart, yeah. Just very simple, like, you don't have tons and tons of uh, points of light. Essentially, you try to keep to like one or two. The more, p you can put more points of light in it, but the more you put in, it's going to become a heck of a lot harder. Yes, yeah. it's, it's much. It's sometimes you know, simplicity is the best. So I mean, this is like art theory stuff now. But like, are you familiar with uh, Kuroskuro? I'm probably mispronouncing that. But it's basically right, where that. so it's Renaissance type painting where oh, it's, okay. it's basically where you have very heavy shadows and you have only one source of light usually. Um, mm -hmm. I'm oversimplifying. Um, would you say? In a way, then you're. Well, this is unfair. I'd have to show you examples and things like that. But it sounds like almost like your work is almost um, Kuroskuro in that sense, where you have. Because I've noticed you you do you tend to have very heavy shadows. Um, mm. Do you? So would you say almost all your drawings, on average, if you can have it that way, you will have it just be one source? Um. Oh, if I've yeah, unless I need to have more than one source, it would definitely be one. But even like a lot of the drawings now, it doesn't look like I've been too over the top on the lighting. It's just the shadows and all that's there. It's just to make it a bit more interesting, so it doesn't look flat. Yeah, I mean that's just the worst thing you can do is if you've got a flat drawing, it's just like uh, there's like there's no depth to it. There's no character. So well, if you put some like shadows on it, give it some nice lighting. It, it just looks nice. Yeah, especially in your older videos where it was black and white, having the heavier shadows I think really helped me get pop off the white background a lot mm. more. Um, oh, those those first drawings. Have you gone back to have a look at like the first video I well, did? I, I had a look at it like a few weeks back and oh, I nearly vomited. <laughs> well, a while ago, not recently, because I've you know I've known you for a while now. So I remember I think probably last year I definitely was digging back at your like first few uh, drawings. But how are your eardrums? Oh, I guess the audio was. I'm. I am so bad with memory. I just remember like seeing like, wow, he's seriously progressed. I remember just really like seeing a real progression on your part in a pretty short period of time, which I was like, wow, that's that's like generally impressing. Um, Thank you. Yeah, like I I know like, again, just just because I have some art friends, it's very easy to kind of get stuck in the same bad habits, or just in the same style. Um, so it's cool to like, especially with human faces. I feel like you've gone way better with human faces. Um, Definitely got better, but nowhere near, like, even good, I'd say. There's still so many things that I get the proportions wrong about. It's just, you know, practice, practice, practice. The more you practice, I mean, I mean, I think just my channel in general is, like, proof of that. I mean, I haven't actually stopped to go to art school. It's just, you just practice. The more you do something, it just becomes second nature. Like, for you, for example, when you, you're doing the um, 3D stuff at the moment, mm -hmm. at the moment it's going to seem, like, really daunting, and stuff, but you know, you give it some time, you'll be whizzing around it. Yeah, that's that's the plan. I mean, that's basically why I jumped into such a big project. It was just like, mm. let's get past that mental block, that mental fear of like making an actual animated film. Oh my god. Um, so I feel like even if it's just like passable, 
just knowing like like me and Nick have learned so many lessons from it already and we've been basically trying to hot tip if you guys are doing a project don't write all the notes after the project you will forget half the notes right while it's <laughs> happening <laughs> so we literally have like a, I have like a, a notes page just like next time this is the animation process you should go through um, and for Nick he's like I need to Nick actually draws too so he was saying how and Nick does a lot of our 3D modeling for people who don't know and uh, he was like, yeah, I need to actually like physically draw out and essentially almost make like a blueprint first before modeling. Because he, he said like he's would have gone like twice as fast to certain models if he actually just like sat down and drew it out. Just like a simple, like almost like an engineering blueprint. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's definitely very hard to like, I will say, and I'm sure I have a bunch of blind spots, but it's very hard to find those blind spots that are holding you back um, and that are like kind of maintaining um, certain like bad habits. Um, for me, I think that's more of like, for me, I guess it would probably be efficiency with certain animation things. Like thankfully I'm doing mocap, so that's why I'm, it's even possible for me to do this film. Like hand animation is way more tedious. But like for yeah. you, for faces, I'm curious, have you ever considered using like a 3D model? So that way, because one thing I love about 3D is like, I do not need to hand draw the shading. And like, I love lighting, um, like in a physical space. I hate lighting in a 2D space. Um, I found that you can actually make some pretty interesting references with just like a couple of light sources if you just have like a model and a head and that's it. It's like very simple to do. Yeah, I've, I've never even considered it. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's something I could look into, but uh, I've never actually considered putting a 3D model into one of the sketches before. Oh, no, I was saying not even for a sketch, but like as a reference for your sketch. Oh, I see. Yeah. That would probably be really good then. Yeah, I mean, if you if if you if you decide to do, it, I can show you how to do that. It's very very easy. Um, I'd be happy to like if you ever just want to experiment one, one day or try something different. But uh, cause uh, side note, Cedric has made a three D model of my head as a as a joke. <laughs> so <laughs> that exists, people. People wondering, that's out there. Um. So other than drawing. You obviously do other things than just drawing all the time. Um, you're a pretty big Aerosoft fan. How did you like get into that? That's a huge community, I know. Um, so when I was at uh, my first year of university, there was just this um, this dude I met on a night out, and uh, his name was Apollo. He was an Airsoft player. I'd had a, an interest in Airsoft since I was back in college, and he was like, hey, well, I go to games. Do you want to come along with me to one? I was like, yeah, sure. And this was back in... Um, 2016 hmm. and so yeah no no not even that uh, 2015 or 14 one of the two but yeah I went along I looked like such a, a twat on my first game I had um, I, thought, I think I was wearing blue jeans I had bright yellow DIY knee pads oh, I man. had this kind of like camouflage jacket that I found in a charity shop mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I, I looked like such a div and um, but yeah, I really loved it. First game, loved it, and then I just got hooked. And so, still playing it to this day. Got loads of guns in my collection. Uh, yeah, it's great fun. I'm assuming it's been shut down though, because you guys are locked down now, right? Yeah, the um, our usual site, the one that I've actually been going to, you know, for the best part of nearly six years now. They've um, closed until further notice, which is really sad. Yeah. That um, hopefully they'll open back up again after lockdown. So I, I actually, in high school, one of my friends was super into paintball, so he got me into paintball. 
and paintball's fun and all, but the problem with paintball is A, the maps are way larger, and like we went to an outdoor place, and the problem is a lot of times you're just spraying and praying. You're not actually like seeing a target and shooting at it. Um, so I ended up eventually, and I, I do wish, um, I ended up just not doing it because the people, basically I went with a friend or like an acquaintance at the time. And we went to a spot and I remember to this day, my outfit was I took camo pants that I used for paintball, stu <laughs> stuffed all the pockets with Cocoa Puffs cereal boxes stapled together as armor. <laughs> <laughs> It worked, okay? It worked. But, uh, and I remember, I, I think I did something similar with my shirt. I had like a vest. So I, I again, I put cardboard like underneath my shirt or something. Oh, and then, I love it. Because, uh, side note, the reason why I did that was because it hurts when you get hit by a paintball. Like, black and blue, yeah. it is so painful. But it's um, brilliant because, I mean, you could just walk around the pitch looking like a walking Kellogg's advert. They're not going to shoot you. <laughs> They're going to think, oh, well, he's, in, he's, he's, he's sponsored. We're not shooting him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so those people who tattoo their foreheads. Oh, man. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Fallen oh man, that's a whole other topic. But uh, yeah, and I remember like getting shot and not feeling it, and I was like, I just felt invincible. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is crazy. Because like that was like one thing I got very nervous about was like it's close quarters airsoft. At least the place I went to is all indoors. So I'm like, man, if it hurts so much getting hit by a paintball from that far away, the airsoft's gonna be super painful. And people, and I remember people telling me, yeah, it can be painful, yada yada. I'm like, oh, this is nothing compared to paintball. Um, so I felt I ended up getting really confident, like playing a lot more aggressive than I would for paintball. Um, yeah, paintball definitely hurts a heck of a lot more. I've never played it, um, uh, but I've, I've, I've definitely seen and experienced my fair share of injuries at airsoft. Some of them are really painful. Like what, what was like some of the more like painful things you've right, gone through? So some of the ones that I've experienced, there was one I was playing at an indoor place in a, a place called Reading which is a bit north of where I live but um, they've got a minimum engagement distance there but nevertheless I was in a room with my friends and we were just covering the doorways and then from one of the other doorways this kid came in young kid can't have been mm. maybe 12 he obviously must have come with his dad or something but he came in he looked over saw me and he just full autoed into the side of my neck <sighs> at oh, really close man. range and I remember a BB got stuck in my neck mm -hmm. like it didn't like go oh, through God. the skin it just it just penetrated in and just wedged there and I pulled it out and then yeah that started bleeding out that was oh, not bleed that sounded very oh. dramatic um <laughs> like yeah, there was like a bit of blood <laughs> just like an overlord yeah spoiler. oh shit spoiler. I'll put a spoiler warning there guys um, um there was another one my friend Matt I remember he fell over once onto his gun Mm -hmm. And he like split the top of his forehead open, so he had to go to hospital and get it stitched up. Ah. And um, there was my mate. Uh, there was one very recently. This one's this one's dark and funny. So he was he he was shooting around a corner, and he shot this like little kid on his um, on his elbow, mm -hmm. and the kid started bawling his eyes out. Uh, on the one hand, we were just like, you know, come on, it's airsoft, you're gonna get hurt. And secondly, yeah. we were like, but it's, it's, it's your elbow, it shouldn't hurt that much. But anyway, he toddled off at the end of the game, still crying. And me and Harry were just like, we just looked over and there he was still crying. And I, we were like laughing at Harry saying, you just made a kid cry. You're a heartless bastard, <laughs> you are. Um, and then to, <laughs> to his mum appeared. Oh no. Carrying a birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was his birthday. Oh my god. <laughs> he'd, been brought, he'd been brought along for his birthday and he'd been shot in the elbow and he was crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So it was it was hilarious, and at the same time, it was just like, wow, you are going to hell, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough. Um, so I so I will say, the place we went to was like acres and acres of land for the um, the paintball place, and it almost became exhausting how like large, and like I mean, so we have a huge issue with ticks on Long Island too, so. Mm -hmm. Actually, this place was in upstate New York or Pennsylvania. But anyway, I remember just like being so tired from just lugging through like brush. Like there aren't trails. We're literally going through brush um, in the forest. That by the time people were like shooting at us, I'm just laying on the ground like, uh, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> like, have you done like large, like really large um, places for airsoft? Because I'm assuming that's very different than. I yeah, I've done. Um... I've, most, the, the normal place that I go to is quite small, but I've been to two very, very large ones. They were uh, Milsim ones, um, and they were up in Sweden. Mm, oh, cool. So, so, there were, so me and a couple of guys, we found this uh, Facebook group. They were doing a massive Milsim operation up there. They had people from everywhere. There were people from China, Russia, South Africa, uh, India, America, Argentina. Everyone just came there. I mean, it was massive. There was something like 6,000 players there. And it was huge. That's crazy. It just covered, it, I don't know, I, it must have been, I don't know, maybe a good 20 miles worth of land. What? It, it was c colossal. It's massive. And there were two opposing sides. And basically, it was just, I think it was, it, yeah, it was just five days nonstop. Even if you slept, you were still a target. So you had to sleep with people standing outside <laughs> oh your tents ready to shoot at them if they started shooting That's at insane. you. That's insane. Yeah, it was it, it was hardcore. Were um, you able to sleep? Like, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you, you could sleep when you could, but you you didn't get an awful lot of sleep because you suddenly too you just. You, oh yeah, you were terrified, yeah. especially when suddenly you just saw torches coming through the trees towards <laughs> oh, your campsite, man. and then you all had to quickly wake up, grab your guns, mm -hmm. and then try and hide behind a tree in your boxes, returning fire. <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. actually crazy. It sounds like so much fun though. It was, but that was knackering. It, I'm sure you can imagine trying to walk 20 miles. It's oh. yeah, no. I mean, especially when you've got like, because because it, it was a Milson, they had like a chain of command. Mm -hmm. So you'd start off with a briefing, and then they'd be like, right, your team, your job is to go here, get this, and bring it back. And then you'd look on the map, and it was like, but, 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 that's 10 miles away. You can't expect me to walk that. Yeah, I can. You go get it, bring <laughs> it back. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> your feet would hurt more than the rest of you because you just have blisters from all the walking. Man, I mean, I've always located, like, uh, I think they're in Ukraine, there's like these giant warehouses, essentially, where it's like almost like a mini city or a, a neighborhood as an entire airsoft, like, battlefield. Um, and I think they're almost around the same size, but I've always, like, located, I mean, I don't want to go to Ukraine, to be honest, but it would be awesome to do, like, an actual, like, battlefield like that, where I have to, like, because I think a lot of them are, like, search and destroy or, like, capture the flag kind of situations. Um, but yeah, I'm no, really into hiking, can, so it'd be like mixing in like long treks with also combat. I think that'd be really cool. Mm, but if you can, definitely go to one of the big games. Yeah, like biggest like, game uh, for paintball, I think was only like a thousand people or two thousand. Just uh, like nothing. To give you another idea of how big this kind of one was, the women's in Sweden, they had outfitted actual tanks. With airsoft wow. guns, and the, and they were rolling, they they were rolling around, and they were there just to give the impression of immersion. They even had a flyby because there was a a base nearby, so they just said, "Hey, look, when you're doing your practice, can you just fly over just to give that impression?" 
Um, and I remember there was one operation where uh, it was me and the rest of my team, and our job was to stop an enemy convoy because they were mm-hmm. transporting a load of other players in trucks. And our job was to just stop them. So what we did was we um, we just stayed on the sides of the roads in like little gullies. And then as the tank and the trucks all came down the road, one of our mates popped up with a, an airsoft AT4 and just what? fired this. Yeah, yeah. They had their own AT4s with the, that fired laser beams. Uh-huh. Wow. And all the vehicles had been fitted with these kind of laser masts, like receivers. Uh-huh. So if you shot the mast with the AT4, you would disable the vehicle. So he got oh, up, wow. fired, and just took out the tank. <laughs> wow. And that then, is so cool. I've never heard of that. We were just like, dude, you just took down the tank. <laughs> wow. And yeah, and then the other trucks came around the side of the tank, and they've all got like the airsoft version of 50 calibers on top and M249s, all F outfitted with airsoft stuff. So they're all just firing bullets down on us and we're just like right run away run away we've done our bit we stopped them <laughs> are they like larger bbs like what is the airsoft version of a 50 cal well it's still six millimeter bbs it's just it's okay. firing it from a just 50 caliber pace. yeah it's just it's the airsoft 50 caliber still. you can get them online but still when you've got a gun that big on top of a, a moving truck following you down a road shooting at you in a bush it's intimidating well yeah i've never seen that where they have that much like actual military gear like vehicles yeah, and it, stuff like that it's really intimidating. As soon as you actually see it, you're just like, wow, shit, yeah, I am terrified. That's going to hurt. <laughs> so I know certain countries allow this, certain other countries don't. Did Sweden allow? So I've heard with certain airsoft, you're actually allowed to use like almost real flash grenades. Like they're basically only slightly modified from like a real flash grenade. Um, I can't speak for the one in Sweden because they were banned because of the they were it was doing environmental safety okay. because it was such a big event and there wasn't enough marshals they couldn't have pyrotechnics but in mm. England over here you've you've got pyro which I would say is pretty close now to a flashbang like it's even crazy. I've used them in the games before um, you throw them I've had one go off right beside my head before and it didn't ah. stop ringing it didn't stop ringing in my ears for a good two minutes and. It really is a heck of a bang. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> it is a flashbang. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it just came into the hut with me and my mate, and we were just like, J- let's just cover our ears and duck down and just wait this one out. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I, I've never been flashbang before, but did you, like, see, like, double images? Was it that rough, or was it just really loud noise? Um, we didn't see double images because we just closed our eyes really oh, okay. held your hands over your ears because you kn- you know it's going to be loud. freaking loud yeah. and we, i mean they all then came rushing in and we were just like Look, don't shoot we're, we're, we're deaf and blind already there's no need also <laughs> <laughs> oh, your ears are ringing through your hands being over your yeah. ears that's crazy very loud very loud especially if you're in an enclosed room it's Box, all just yeah. echo and reverb Ugh. so it doesn't stop it goes bang and then it just keeps going bang 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 <laughs> Don't envy you there at yeah. all. Yeah, I think in the States, it might differ depending on what state you're in. For my very limited knowledge, at least for where I am, I'm pretty sure that they're illegal. Like, they have very, very strict uh, pyrotechnic or grenade um, rules. Um, like, I've mm. only seen the, the BB grenades. That's it. Which even then, I think, are spring-based, the ones we were using. They're not even, like, an actual explosion. Oh, yeah, uh, we've got the gas-based ones. Yeah, which... 
are a lot cooler. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> that's the that's the trade off. Um, you don't get pyro, but you get real guns. <laughs> <laughs> we have proper pyro. Game now. <laughs> oh man, I, I mean, I literally have right now. I have these are props, so I think they're they're all bust. But we went to a uh, these are fake people. These are all airsoft guns. I'm holding up to the camera. We have a, a fake M4, which I still need to buy a. Um, adapter for. I am not a big gun nerd. Jake is the gun nerd in, in the in the channel. And then we have a uh, SMG. Um, I can't remember which one. But basically, there's a like a local market by us, and once a year, a ton of uh, people. They have a, basically there's a there actually is an airsoft place there, literally right by our main. I heard it's great. Uh, of course, it's closed now, but for a while, it's meetings actually go there. Um, and just like rent gear, because I don't have I have kit, but I don't have um the right i don't have any airsoft guns that actually work they're all props um yeah. but they have basically what happens is a bunch of people come together and then once a year anyone can sell any gear they own for whatever price they want it's almost like a, a free market kind of thing which is really cool because that's how we got a bunch of our things and actually i will say i think the only one that works is the coolest one it's a grenade launcher airsoft gun nice. um, and so basically for people to know like the actual shells are metal but it basically has like a plastic um, pod that goes into the shell that has the actual BB. So when you shoot it, I think it actually does shoot like a big plastic bond that then explodes into like releasing the smaller BBs, which is pretty crazy. Does it actually fire a projectile or does it just fire the BBs? So I think it, from what Jake explained to me was it actually does fire a projectile, but I think the projectile ends up exploding very quickly because you don't want to oh. get hit with like a giant plastic like it literally looks like a grenade launcher um mm. if you just look at the round itself i think they're very expensive too um, they are because um one of our mates over here's got it's pretty much the same thing i can't remember what he called it oh mm. yeah he called it a tag round okay. and um yeah it fired from a grenade launcher and it actually fires the projectile and then where it lands it then explodes and they're they're horrifying <laughs> yeah it might be that we just we've never like bothered to buy the rounds and actually see if it works because uh, that's like for purge when we were still trying to do that that's what we wanted to do was have like a fake smoke scene and basically mm. fire fake smoke um digitally out of those uh grenade launchers but who knows maybe one day we'll see why not yeah it'd be fun although there's literally nowhere near me i could actually legally do it in a game probably because all the places around here are indoors <laughs> that'd be uh, ridiculous although so i actually i do remember one thing for my first airsoft game there was a, uh, literally, I think he was one of the the owners of the place. So like they'll have almost like a like in a game you have moderators. Um, I forgot the actual name in airsoft, but so he would go around with just a pistol and the Captain America shield, and we just <laughs> if he saw anyone breaking rules, he would shoot them in the head. <laughs> so it was very much of a like follow the rules, or there will be a physical uh, punishment. And then they also I think had like um, these outposts throughout that also had referees. So yeah, I think referees is the better word. And they had um, like the fake sniper rifles. So that was the other thing is if you didn't listen to them, they just shoot you with like, um, I just remember they were supposed to hit, hurt way more than the uh, normal airsoft guns. Cause I think they're uh, at a higher PSI. Mm. Um, but yeah, do you have any, like, do you have any other like crazy airsoft stories? Is that like? Uh, well, not too long ago, I actually managed to I don't know if you can quite see it on the camera. Uh, not really. But um, I managed to scar my nose. 
in um, one of the games recently. We were playing on one of the CQB mats, mm. and I was going around a corner, and there was a kiddie. And I, yeah, it's always the kids. Um, there was a, a kid on the other side of the door, and as I've gone into the room, he's just come up right in front of me and just fired his pistol point blank uh. at my nose, and um, I, I went straight down. It, it, it took a massive chunk out of my nose. It didn't stop bleeding oh, for like two hours. I had to go to the head dude at the game site there, and they patched me up. They <laughs> they made me put all my bloody tissues into like this bio bag, you know, for contamination <laughs> yeah. reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that that took that took about two months to heal. Wow. I don't understand how That's a crazy. cut can take that bloody long to heal. Well, it's it just, a cartilage. It just, it just, Mate, was yeah, it, deep? it just it just didn't stop. It was right on the bridge of my nose. Ah, just didn't stop. Yeah. Uh, well, so did it go through your mask? Like, because you're obviously wearing a mask, right? Or do you just do goggles? No, no, no. just goggles. Now wow. I wear the mask. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I I have an old paintball mask, so I, that's what I would used to wear. Um, For the yeah, it used to always just be goggles. But now, whenever I do the CQB maps, I've always got the mask. <laughs> Learned that the well, hard way. If you're listening to this podcast and ever want to play Airsoft, there's your lesson. Okay, kids? Yeah, don't, um, don't lose a chunk of your nose. Yeah, not recommended. <laughs> uh, I thankfully don't have any war stories, injuries, to say the least. I, I've like, I just got nasty bruises from paintball um, and tick bites. But, you know, that's not uh, that exciting. Other than getting <laughs> Lyme disease. Yay, I don't have Lyme disease, thankfully. Um, <laughs> So that's that's actually one of the reasons why I stopped playing as much was just because like I hated I'm very I hate bugs. I'm like that's one of my biggest fears is insects. Um, although ironically, the insect based SCPs don't bother me that much. It's more, I guess, like a real life thing for me. But uh, there's a lot of them as well. Yeah, there's a, so many. I, I think I really like the um, was the chocolate fountain ants. That's that one's that's one oh, I like a lot. Oh, they're brilliant. They are. But like they, they screwed up 682 real good. <laughs> so yeah, you did a video on that, um, but uh, that's like ticks were like the reason why I stopped playing paintball. A big reason why it was just like I don't feel like getting Lyme disease. It's not it's not that fun. So no, I imagine it's not. But that's why I liked airsoft so much, and I was so excited to play it because it was all indoors, and I was like, oh, I feel clean. I don't feel like disgusting afterwards compared to paintball, at least, or compared to any outdoor outdoor gaming where you're just covered in mud and filth. Um, but who knows? You know, it's not too late. I don't know why I'm saying like it's over. Like, we're sure, I'm in a quarantine right now, but there's a future. It's not yeah, too indeed. late. Well, uh, speaking of quarantine, I guess some people are interested. Probably hasn't affected you that much, but has it drastically affected your life other than airsoft in any way? Um. Well, at the very start of the whole quarantining thing, I noticed that my channel, everything just shot straight up. Because yeah. everyone was then online, so I I got a massive increase in subs and viewers, and now it's just it's just gone back to normal again. But that was good at the start. Then everything just kind of went back to normal. Um, quite a few people I knew they lost their jobs, which was sad. Mm. Um, yeah. It was my girlfriend; she lost hers. Thankfully, she got another one. That's um, good. For me, though, not an awful lot's changed. I mean, most of the time I just stayed indoors anyway, just drawing. So nothing really changed there. 
That's the Being toilet uh, paper was a bit of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you ch- you guys too. Good to know. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that was a thing, but <laughs> I yeah, the know, whole yeah. world just started panic buying toilet roll. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think we. Uh, I was our bright idea to start that trend, from what I know. Um, although I don't know oh, if yeah, that's true. You, you Americans were all over the social media over here. God. Ugh. Uh, well, for me specifically, I, I was actually in Europe at the beginning of it. Just got out in the nick of time to land in New York. And I'm sure you know, New York was a complete shit show by the time I landed. Because this yeah, is around. You, New York got hit the hardest. Yeah. Yeah, so. we saw that everywhere. That was all over the news, too. I mean, even now, like, I can't. I was gonna go into the city recently, and then I was like, nope, I can't, because now we're getting massive spikes again in New York. So, who knows? How's it been for you? Honestly, uh, a lot of silver linings for me, because uh, now I get to work from home. I work as a part time editor um, for a local university. Um, I'm not a college, that's my job, for clarification. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think I'm a student. Um, and so that's been nice because it's kind of made my schedule a lot less tight and I'm, a lot, I'm not as tired after work. So that way I can actually, that's what allowed me to learn Blender and things like that. And that's the other thing is like, I, I've been trying to learn a new skill since I can't go out and hang out with friends really, or like we've been doing game nights on Discord. So thankfully having nerd friends has made it easier. <laughs> I, know, I know some people are really struggling and I'm like, man, I've been doing this stuff for years. Just like knowing how to entertain myself in my room. Uh, but it still is tough. Like I, I definitely would get to me. I've been trying to go on daily walks because it definitely, I would have like small depression swings where it's just like, I feel trapped and it feels like I'm living the same cycle over and over and over. Um, you know, it feels like I keep pushing the same boulder up and it keeps falling down. Even though like, I'm not necessarily, the work I'm doing is not that difficult or like, well, there's challenge, but it's not like, it's stuff I want to do, you know? Um, so I feel like there's that challenge of just trying to like figure out how to be okay with the monotony over and over mm. and over again. Because um, I, I guess for me personally, I'm very much like I need to see the sun. I need to like see the blue sky. I need to, especially smells. I've noticed this is the weird thing that I've noticed over the quarantine. If I had the you same smell the COVID. <laughs> no, no, I wish right. Uh, if I have the same smell over and over again for days at a time, it like affects my mood. Like I need to go outside and experience like different smells. Like it's all very subconscious. I never really realized this until recently. Um, but I got a candle and that helped too. So there's little tricks like that. Um, that helps, it helps. Yeah. All right, so we're, we're getting to the end, near the end of the podcast, but before we run out of time, um, are there any things you want to shout out? Any like future plans you want to talk about? Like, what's what's up with you? Um, well, as you know, at the moment we're doing SCP Five Thousand. You're mm-hmm. helping with that one. Yeah. You're, you're going to be playing the uh, the uh, what was it? It was the Doctor. Yeah, Doctor. The I've... captured MCF and the Commander as well. Looking forward to hearing that. Uh, there is the Aurora Boris cycle. That one's going to be coming up soon. The first part of God knows how many. Uh, yeah, I know. good luck. Some more when day breaks coming. Some more IKEA. Uh, IKEA ones are fun. Mm-hmm. Not quite sure where I'm going to go from there yet. It's because when it comes to like planning out my videos, I usually plan them months in advance. So currently they're planned all the way up to February. But after that, wow. don't know yet. See what happens. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're good for a while. You got plenty on your plate. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, man. It was nice chatting. 
it's nice to have a fellow airsoft slash paintball enthusiast on the channel. I can actually talk That's about right. this stuff with. Pleasure uh, to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you around. All right. All right. Bye, everyone.